Well, that's wonderful. And uh, if you're on Slack, then I encourage you to um, check at the beginning of today's. We've got uh, we've got Pat, we've got Kent Nelson being uh, a beach body, um, and there's a little video there that you could watch after the service today. That's uh, just a lot of fun, and uh, and he'll t- he'll show you what the beach is like in Ontario. Um, so great job with that. Um, we're going to continue on with our sermons through Galatians, and I'm really excited. Today is the final day for Galatians chapter 2, and, uh, and it's just really a great thing. I did not expect Galatians to take this long because, you know, I've studied it, I've read it, I know it, it's a short book, but then to communicate what's going on in it is actually, there is so much um, to be considering so much that influences us and impacts us. You know, I've talked again and again about how the Galatian church is the church that is, that is the church that, that they're brand new and they're saying, you know, this is the message we have and then there are people who are traditionalists coming in and saying, oh no, it needs to look like this. And, uh, and, and you know, Paul is, is actually getting angry and being like, no, you cannot do that. So what we're going to do is uh, I'm going I'm to read the passage that we're looking at today, which is Galatians 2, 19 to 21, and then I'm going to pray, and then we're going to jump right in today and see what God is saying to us today. So let's uh, read the passage. For through the law I died to the law, so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, and the life I, live na- the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were by the law, then Christ died for no purpose. God, I thank you for your word, and I thank you that, that as Paul has been working through this letter, getting to the crux of his arguments, God, I, I just pray that today our hearts would be enlightened, that we would see what this means to be crucified with you, to see how it affects our life. God, I pray that people, would, would their hearts would be stirred today to recognize who you are and to, and to seek to imitate you in as much as we can. We, we pray that your, that your word, your spirit would open up our hearts and our eyes to be able to see what you would have us do. In Jesus' name, amen. So, here's a rapid recap. The rapid recap says that Paul has a gospel message. It came from the revelation of Jesus. It was affirmed by the church leaders in Jerusalem. In Antioch, 60 kilometers north, the church leaders were undermining it. Paul stepped in to correct them. Justification is brought because of the faithfulness of Jesus. Whatever you do or are uh, to deserve, sorry, whatever you do or are to deserve to be included is not important. And Paul states how that has changed his life. 
So today, if you're going to interact with us, I totally encourage it. There are two ways to interact with us. One is live right now on Slack in general. Just put notes in general, and I'm seeing them right here on my screen, and uh, I would love to interact with you. The other way is through promisechurch.community. In today's message, you go down to the bottom of today's message under the notes, and use, and there's a typing box, and I get that to my email immediately, real time. And so please interact, and uh, let's see how much conversation we have today. So Paul moves to this very powerful and very quotable verse. I think I was about 17 years old when I determined that this verse is the verse that I want to set as a life verse for me. It was my favorite verse. It still is my favorite verse. For I'm crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You know, this is a big deal because, because it, it positions us, and it's really important. Paul, uh, the central hope of the world is the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. It's hopeful because the crucifixion shows the extent of Jesus' faithfulness. It shows just how far Jesus is willing to be to be faithful to God and just how far God is willing to go to be faithful to his promises. And it is exciting to be able to see this. Today I'm going to pair this up with another passage that's going to help us through this discussion. And the second passage I'm going to use today is Philippians 2, 5-9. It reads this. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the very form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by being obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every other name. Paul has it in his mind that the cross is where Jesus lays down his rights. It's it's his rights to self-benefit. He's laying down his, his rights and trusting fully in what God the Father is doing. And it's in this action that Jesus truly fulfills the vision of God for what it means to be humanity. It's right here where Jesus takes his very life into his hands and offers it up in trust of God. That that God goes, here's the vision of the created humanity. Here is what it means to be human, to, to willingly offer our lives up to our Creator and say, I am completely in your debt. I am completely reliant on you. I am completely, 100%, giving my all to you. So we join with Jesus in the crucifixion of self. You know, that's a big deal. We join with Jesus in the crucifixion of self. I have been crucified with Christ. Jesus' full sacrifice of his life shows his total reliance on God. 
And when I say, I have been crucified with Christ, I take that on myself. I join with Jesus in the crucifixion of self. So in this, we renounce any rights, privileges, or status with God. We renounce any rights to it. We say this is not our right because we have been crucified with Christ. And so this is, uh, this is very important. There's, there's nothing I do, no rite of passage, no action on my part that gets me status with God. You know, that, that promotes me above others, that earns me any privilege. There's nothing that I did that gets me there. So how do I follow this? I put all of my privilege aside like Jesus did. I have, to, I have to make a conscious effort to say, I don't get to demand my rights or my way or my thinking or my autonomy, my authority, because I crucify all of that. Jesus, who was in the very nature of God, he, he didn't even say, oh, well, this is my right to be equal with God. He didn't hold that for himself to say, now, because I am God, you can't touch me. He didn't even claim that for himself. You know, he said that, that I'm, I'm going to give myself up. And in doing that, Jesus shows himself faithful to God's created plan. Not that, that, that you know, we that we invariably die, but that God wants us to be fully reliant on him for our life. God wants us to fully rely on him for our experience of life. Jesus said in Matthew 10, 10, another one of my favorite verses, I've come to give you life and life abundantly. That we rely on God for life. And Jesus takes that to the, to the full logical conclusion and says, I will rely on God for life even in the face of death and sees resurrection on the other end. He is faithful. So when I am crucified with Christ, I am putting my rights, my privileges aside and saying, I'm no longer living based on my status and based on who I am. I'm no longer living here. You know, Jesus, uh, someone just wrote on Slack that Jesus laid down his perfect righteousness as he became sin on the cross. He totally did. He said, I'm going to take on the sins of the world, and I'm choosing to do that, even though it was within his right to reject it. He laid it down. So thank you, thank you. That's so true. So, so here we have Jesus doing all this, and when I'm crucified with Christ, I am now putting aside my privileges. I no longer fight for my own right or my own privilege, for my own benefit. I kill that. And the word crucify, we, we you know, make it religious because it's got nothing to do with our normal culture. But quite literally, Paul is saying, I am dead to myself. I have killed these elements of myself that I could live to Christ. And so this is so important. I kill that. See, your access to God is not based on privilege, not based on anything you've done. You might be born in a Christian home, but that does not get you to God. You might have been given great things, like even a theological degree, 
But that does not get you closer to God. You might have given all you have to the church, but that does not give you, get you closer to God. If you lack the reliance on God to bring you in, all of that does nothing. All of it is, is like this empty sham. It's a religious practice. Until we say, I'm giving my life to full reliance on God. I am giving up my own self-propelling uh, self forward. I'm giving it up. That is when we start to live the life that Christ is calling us. We pray, God, help my rights and what I deserve diminish. And help obedience and reliance on you increase. That's what we do in our prayers. That's where we say it's not by struggle or by, or by this or by that that I get closer to God. It is by me saying, God, bring me into your presence by your grace, by your love, by your mercy, by your compassion. Imitation of Jesus through service becomes my new mission. See, this is what happens. When I give up my own right to propel myself into the presence of God or into God's good graces by doing enough good deeds, when I give that up, then people go, oh, well, what, what should I live? Which, what, what's the purpose of being Christian? Well, imitation of Jesus through service becomes my mission. It's, it's nailed that I have given up my own right, my own desire to self-propel. I'm now left with the space to imitate Jesus as a servant of others. Jesus came to serve. We're called to imitate the faithfulness of Christ. It doesn't gain you status with Christ, with God. It gives you purpose. So, Jesus gives us purpose. Jesus gave up his rights and his divine privilege in order to serve. We now live in the body, crucifying ourselves and exchanging it for the way that Jesus lived. We are to live like servants of others. And Paul affirms that Jesus is the best example to imitate in our second passage, which is Philippians 2. Your attitude should be the same as Jesus. And I use the word attitude because the NIV used it, and I really like it there. Your attitude should be the same as Jesus. So what are you to live for? We live to love God and to love others and serve others. It doesn't get you in, but it provides an, ex an expectation for how we continue to live in the faithfulness. Josh writes, it's not by our actions that we have closeness. Um, if it's not by our actions that, that we have closeness, then why do some people make it seem like by our actions we are removed from his closeness? Wow, Josh, awesome question. You know, because right here, we see this, this idea that we're holding on to the religious traditions that say, oh, well, you know, if you do this and this and this, you're going to be more in. You're more accepted in. Oh, but if you do that, then you're now pushed out. And the message here is that I am crucified with Christ. The things that give me status that I do or don't do don't work anymore. I must be crucified with Christ. I don't deserve it. So, Josh, you're bang on there. You're bang on there. So here's where we, where we are. We want to love God and love others. There's the great commandment. 
the great commandment, love God, love your neighbors yourself. But it's a challenge to do good. It is, it really is. You know, do you know why? Do you know why it's a challenge to do good? It's a challenge to do good for two reasons. One, in our culture, we actually are suspect of people who serve with no strings attached. So that becomes a challenge, it's a cultural challenge. You know, it, it becomes really hard to just do something nice for somebody and not, and not like pull on a string because of the way we have, have, have created our economic system, the way we've created our social system, there's definitely a challenge. So when you do good, it's actually impingent on you to clarify that there are absolutely no strings attached and then to live like it, that there are no strings attached. But the second challenge to doing good is is because it impinges on my rights and freedoms, my comforts. So in, in my rights, when I compare this to Jesus, you know, me doing good in service to another and in service to God impinges on my rights. But Jesus is rightfully God and he doesn't need to submit to anything, yet he submits to death, even death upon a cross. So, oh, but, but it's, it impinges on my freedoms, and it does. When I say my purpose is to serve, then I'm giving up my own freedoms. I'm giving up my own, my own you know, autonomy that says I get to do what I want when I want because now I have a purpose, a life definition of service. And Jesus did that. He, he can move however he wants. He can do whatever he wants, but yet he says, I do what I on, only what I see the Father do. I become a servant to others. My time, absolutely, we give up so much of our time to be a servant, but this becomes the purpose. And Jesus, Jesus stepped out of eternity into time. Think about that for a second. He, he steps out of eternity, and he steps into our linear timeline, finite, confined by past, present, and future. He steps into that and fully experiences it. And we go, oh, but my time is so valuable. Well, I have been crucified with Christ. My money, you know, this one's always touchy. I have been crucified with Christ. I worked hard for my money. I deserve my own money. It gets to be my own thing. And Jesus says, yeah, but I gave up all the wealth of eternity willingly by choice. Being the faithful human, I'm saying, I gave that up. And when I say, personally, I'm crucified with Christ, there's an, there's an attachment here to one of the blockers that makes it hard to do good things was, is, is my love of money or our love of money. And, and the call is, I've been crucified with Christ. My leisure, you know, that's somewhat like my time, except for now intended how I'm spending my time. It's, it's, it's for me. And, and Jesus says, you know, I lived with God for eternity Nothing needs to happen quickly in eternity. There's an interesting thing here. Sometimes in our performance-based world, we actually expect things to be done like immediately, and leisure is like the escape from it. But God says, you, you follow me and there is rest. There is, no, there is no like really heavy push for time. It's just, you just do it, and you step in rhythm, and you live like that. My comfort and my energy... Again, Jesus is, is doing so much to sacrifice, and when I crucify myself, I become a servant, and I, and I sacrifice comfort and energy to fulfill the purpose of what it is to truly be human, to love God 
and to love others. You know, we, we cannot completely duplicate, we can't like fully emulate step for step. You know, we've, a couple people on Slack have talked about how it's, you know, Jesus' perfection. Uh, Ethan said taking responsibility for this is different than becoming. So we, we, will, we will crucify ourselves with Christ. We will take responsibility for sacrificing, but it doesn't make us exactly the same as Jesus. So you and I can't duplicate or fully emulate the, the humanity of Jesus. Because look at, look at Galatians 2.21. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. You and I can't measure each other and say, you know, are you there yet? Are you more there yet? We're not, we're not in this place where we're saying, well, if you do this, then you are more there. If you do that, you're not more there. What we can do, or if we could attain it, Jesus wouldn't have had to do it. This is the separation here that's being made between the religious people who are saying you have to do this and this and this and this to be in, and the people, or, and Paul, who is saying you have to crucify yourself to Christ. You have to fully rely on the faithfulness of Jesus because it's not by your actions that you rank. That brings us all the way back to the beginning. It's not by your actions that you rank. Yes, you have a purpose, but you don't rank because of your actions. Because if you do, then you would nullify the grace of God. And Paul says, I do not nullify the grace of God. For if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. And so this is what we're saying. We're saying you are brought in because of the faithfulness of Jesus. You are transformed to crucify yourself like Christ in the imitation of Jesus. But it doesn't give you rank to do that. You're brought in by grace. So, you know, if we can't recreate it, if we can't emulate it exactly, then why bother trying? Because serving itself brings us the purpose of Christian life. It really is. We understand our closeness to God, not because we serve, but through the participation of serving. We worship God. We give Him praise through humbling ourselves, through crucifying ourselves. And so it's here, the entire premise of serving that is that it doesn't primarily benefit you. It benefits others. And in so doing, you fulfill the purpose of creation. God created us to love others and to love himself and to live in perfect unity. That's why, how God created us. So we cannot stay the same as before. When you put your faith in the faithfulness of Jesus, you do not stay the same as before. You cannot just continue on living as though life was for your own pleasure or for your own things. You cannot continue in just saying, I do what I want, when I want, how I want. Because to do that puts you at odds with the very gospel and the very hope of Jesus. It's actually antagonistic to Christ, to say, well, if Jesus' faithfulness got us in, so now I can continue to be unfaithful. It's antagonistic, and here's why. The direction we're going is to be included in the rule of Christ. 
Jesus' rule is not like any other rule we've experienced. Jesus' rule is about modeling and bringing us into a world that we do not need to look out for ourselves anymore. Did you hear that? We're being invited into a world that we actually will not need to look out for ourselves anymore. And that is so foreign to our experience that it flies in the face of all of our self-protective knowledge. We're going to be brought into a world where we don't have to look out for ourselves anymore. And if we can't accept it here, how do we accept it there? I'm going to close with a story. A man lived his entire life. Like everyone else on his street, he concerned himself with right and wrong and did a good job and he was nice to his neighbor. He felt like he was a fairly good person and deserved to be justified in front of God. He'd made sure he did enough good things to get him the right recognition from God. He went to church. He was nice. He helped his neighbor. He even gave to missions. He was very confident that he was good enough to earn it and to earn a good spot in heaven. His children were pretty good kids too. One day, his neighbor drove her car into his truck and then drove away. The man decided that it was the last time that he was going to be nice to his neighbor. He wasn't going to do anything other than not be nice anymore. She didn't deserve his nice behavior. He would pay for his own vehicle repairs. He wouldn't demand it from her. You know, but he would, and he would not retaliate, but he would still, and he would still be a nice person in general, but he was done being actively nice to her. He reasoned, I just can't become a walking mat for other people to let them walk over me and whatever. On this day, the man died. He was invited into heaven to see what it was like, and he saw all types of strange things that didn't seem fair. He saw someone who worked for an hour in heaven to get paid for working for 12, yet while people were working 12 hours, got paid for working 12 hours. He saw a ruler of the city sitting on the ground cleaning the manure out of someone else's barn while his barn had not yet been cleaned out. The man realized that he did not want to live here because it was full of people who weren't interested in getting what they deserved. All his life, he had been motivated by getting what he deserves. And he realized that Jesus' kingdom and the way Jesus' kingdom operates isn't about getting what you deserved at all. And this man was repulsed. How can you live a life for the benefit of someone else and not expect to get what you deserve? He deserved respect for how good he was. He could have been anything. He deserved recognition. And he wasn't going to get it in heaven. The man was repulsed. Jesus is the image of the invisible God, meaning that Jesus is exactly what God created humans to be. And Jesus did not get what he deserved. Never stop Jesus from being obedient to God, even obedient to death on a cross that he did not deserve. So, somebody asked, they said, Pastor Rob, how do we judge the time frame? 
I think of some of my friends with addictions who've accepted Jesus. They might wrestle with the addiction on and off for another seven years before we see true change. How do we handle those situations? And you say, we continually look to the faithfulness of Jesus to redeem us from the mire and the evil in which we are caught. This is the gospel, that there's hope. That there's hope that God looks at your friend and says, you are loved and I accept you and embrace you through your struggle. And I will set you free. But in this time, the purpose is, is, is to, for us to serve those people. To love those people. And for those people to serve others when and how they can. Because it's purpose, not reward. Not, not like, oh, I do this for a reward. It's I do this because I am human and this is what I was created for. And so I would handle it through, through grace. See, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer get what I deserve. I don't fight for what I deserve. I don't, I don't pursue that. I live under the faithfulness of Jesus who loves me and gave himself for me. And it's only when we know that we freely received what we did not deserve the love and the inclusion of God, that we could start to give to others what they don't deserve. Because I have all that I've ever needed that I didn't deserve to get. You as a Christian lack for nothing. Everything you have, you have because of Jesus, and you didn't deserve that. So now we give to others what they don't deserve, and we expect nothing in return because we already have what we did not deserve we have undeserved love of our Creator God. Let me pray. God, it is only when we are filled with your love that we have the energy to overcome the obstacles of doing good. It is only when we can recognize that it wasn't by our actions that got us any status with you, that we're able to say, thank you, Jesus, and out of that overflow, we now pour into our true purpose, which is to love you and love others, and we express it in service. God, help each one of us to crucify ourselves, our demands for our own rights, our demands for our own privilege to be recognized, our demands for, for our comfort. Help us crucify ourselves and truly give ourselves to you and your kingdom, where it's actually about love that brings people in, that transforms us, that gives us a new purpose. And so, Jesus, as we have been invited into your kingdom by your, gra by your grace, help us continue to extend grace and service to others. Help us not be like the person in the story that, that, that tried to bring justice into their own hands by, by enacting it and not being nice to the person that hit his car any longer, but help us show grace and love, especially when it's not deserved. God, your kingdom runs on grace and forgiveness and love, and so Jesus, I just pray that we would have more of it, because in this world, it's countercultural. It doesn't make sense. Help us give up our privileges and our rights. For I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. 
Please live in us, Lord Jesus. In your name, amen. Thank you so much for being involved in today's service. Great quote by Ethan right at the end. The greatest human need is not to be loved, but to love. The greatest change to a person will come when they start to love. May we all be changed this week. In Jesus' name.